I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, friends, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my marvelous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing okay. All right. Well, today is a very, very special episode. It is episode 300. Can you believe that we have been doing this for, well, I mean, at 52 weeks in a year, you can figure out how long at that point. Uh, It has been quite a long, long journey. Uh, It's been a long road getting from there to here. (laughs) Now, normally this would be the part where I tell you that we're going to be answering questions from your wonderful listeners. Of course, I do want you to continue to send questions in for us. Uh, You send those into podcast.blizzardwatch.com or our various Discord channels, whether it's the patron Q and podcast questions channel for our Patreon supporters, which thank you. You really helped us make this be available for 300 episodes and hopefully many, many more. Uh, And then those that can't support us on Patreon, but can support us in other ways by listening to our podcast or sharing our content with their friends and our Q and podcast questions channel. But instead, I figured it would be just nice to have a casual conversation for an hour talking about basically how we got here and what some of our favorite moments were and where we're looking forward to go in the future since, well, it's I I don't see us stopping anytime soon. Uh, or at least I hope not. I have a lot of fun with this. <laughs> so I still remember my favorite thing to talk about, and and I wish Anne was here for this, um, was how Lorewatch was kind of born. And if you don't know, the story is late night conversations in our group chat between like Matt, myself, 
and Anne when we were all together uh, on the previous website, and we'd be chatting going forth. And of course, Anne and Matt were doing the tinfoil hat series and, and everything else. And lore seemed like a really good fit because it's something that, you know, obviously Anne was super into, uh, you know, Matt was into it and I was always into it as well. Uh, and then I remember I was guesting on a podcast and Anne happened to be in the, uh, the audience for it. And it was, uh, Mick Montgomery's and I can't remember what show it was off the top of my head, but I was on there talking about lore and, uh, Anne was just in the audience. We were going back and forth and Anne was responding in chat to me and we were bouncing off of it and I was responding to Anne. So eventually Mick just pulled her into the call and we started going. What was originally supposed to be an hour long episode turned into a two and a half hour episode of just basically Anne and me talking about everything. And then at the end, she was like, you know what? We should just really do this. And I was like, we should just really do this. And then she went to Matt and was like, we should really do this. And Matt was like, we should really do this. And then the powers that be agreed. And next thing I know, uh, Lore Watch was born when the new site was launched, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and can you believe it's been that long, Matt? Yes, because time, time is just hammering away at us, just pounding on us. Yes, I can believe it's been that long. <laughs> what I can't believe is that we've managed to keep doing it this this long. Like every so often, it occurs to me that I that I do two to three podcasts a week. And that's messed up. You say it's messed up, but I mean, it's not really not that messed up. Not not in a bad way. I don't mean it's messed up in like, you know, this is messed up. I mean, that's kind of messed up to think about how many podcasts come and go. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like they, they come, they're around for a while, and then they flare out. And meanwhile, between the previous site and this site, we've got a podcast that's been going for a, over a decade at this point. Uh, and then we've got Lore Watch, which is at this point I would assume our most popular podcast. And it come it came out of like weird, uh, not even Discord because it was before we had Discord. I think it was Slack. It was Slack. Weird, weird ass two in the morning Slack conversations. I remember one time that you were there and then you logged off, and so it was me and Ann and Matt Lowe. And Matt Lowe said it was like watching table tennis, just, <laughs> but with ideas. And they would just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it was just, you know, it's it's been something to see. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably the thing I'm proudest of. Um, I think so, too. I mean, cer- we- certainly of the things we're still doing, it's the thing I'm proudest of. If I mean, if I had to pick a baby, it probably would have been the warrior column. But you know, that hasn't been around for a while and this is still here. So, <sighs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think it, one of the, it's, it's really been something. Sorry. I know. No, I'm no, you're, you. no, you're fine. That's that. This is just, there's I'm no also, structure to this one. Every so often I can hear my own voice and I'm like, who the F is that? Oh, right. That's me. <laughs> and it is one of those things where it is interesting to see how far we've come. Cause before I got to join lore watch and, and be there since the inaugural episode, uh, you know, and before I got invited onto the Blizzard Watch podcast, which I didn't get uh there until oh, I forgot how many episodes. Uh, but that one's up to four hundred and forty-four episodes so far. So, and you figure each one is an average of an hour and a half long. Uh, so that's a lot of time we put in recording. But before that, uh, I actually had a couple other podcasts that I was part of. Um, 
one, I don't know if people remember it, but our wow players probably would. There was the raid warning podcast where I got to be on there for, I think about a year or so before everything kind of fell apart. Um, and then I was in another lore podcast before lore watch, which was called for the lore. And I actually had a lot of fun with that one because it wasn't just blizzard IP stuff. We were talking about the story and, and writing of all games, uh, we actually had some pretty good interviews like David Gator was on there. Uh, we've, we've gotten so many like big names, uh, and it was great, but that took a toll because everybody involved, when you start scheduling with multiple people, life happens, right? And it went away, uh, because one of the main folks behind recording and editing it, his health couldn't keep up with it. So Roger, if you're listening to this one, I love you, buddy. Still miss you. Um, then this started be becoming a thing and it was just so much fun. And like Matt talked about that whole table tennis and watching ideas bounce off each other. That was one of the things that I really loved about this versus any of the other podcasts I've, I ever have done uh, working with Anne and Matt and just having harebrained schemes and stories and ideas that build off of each other uh, just feels very, very good because it was working with people that were on the same sort of wavelength. I've always been a weird tinfoil hat guy. I like seeing the patterns and things and making weird predictions and making those connective jumps and like bringing out the whiteboard or cork board with the, the little post-it notes and the red, the red twine and drawing the lines and, you know, going, it's very clear, you know, like just going into that whole mode. It's a lot of fun for me and having other people to do that with, and bounce those ideas off of and not just be ignored, but have, you know, how many times have just in the last couple of years, Matt and I, I'll mention something and then Matt goes on an immediate tangent because it sparked some weird invention or, or of thought in inside of his head that, you know, only Matt can make that leap for. And it has been and it's just wild. And I love watching that happen. Or how many times has Matt done that for me? And then we've gone into this weird spiral. Uh, used to happen yeah. with Anne all the time when it was Anne, Matt and, my, and myself, I mm -hmm. would just be kind of like the little guy that would throw out like, uh, how do I phrase this? Anne and Matt were a tour of personality who fed off each other really, really well. And I wound up becoming the guy that just threw ideas out and just watched you guys like explode them from like, sentences into gigantic things <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh i like one of the things i've liked about lower watch since the beginning and uh which i like today is it's still very much a part of it is that it reminds me of improv yes in that we have we have things we know we're going to do like we usually uh if we have a topic we know we're going to do the topic and if we have a bunch of questions we know we're going to answer the questions but uh, a question answer from us is not like going to somebody who will be like, well, here is the concrete definitive answer. And so we'll be like, well, it's interesting you ask that because, and then, you know, we'll, we'll go. And we like to let the other person go. Like when it was all three of us, you know, there was that sense of, you know, who's got the ball. Let's watch mm -hmm. what, the, what, what they do with the ball. Um, there's a, there's a, I think it's an ad or something. I don't know where it's from. I think I saw it on Instagram recently, but it's, it's a video of, uh, one of the Warhammer 40k games and they've got like coming something's coming over the microphone while they're all standing there listening and one's like should we tell him his mic's open and the the commander guy goes son let him cook and that that <laughs> let him cook 
aspect is was a real big part from the beginning of what we do with lore watch it's it's you know okay uh I, I i've it's sort of almost like we're playing volleyball against each other but also with each other on the same team so it's like a lot of a lot of really nice setups i'm gonna show my that, you know, i'm gonna show my age here it's like a hacky sack circle okay yeah that's that's another one uh but but there's that sense of okay i got it set up Ooh, that's what he did with it. Interesting, interesting. Now let's let's see what I can do with that. What what happens with? I don't. I think one of the reasons it works is because we don't reject the other person's ideas. Mm-hmm. We don't go, no, no, that's dumb. This is what it should be. We go, ooh, and if that's the case, then what about this? And it's it's a very yes andy process. Not yes andy. Yes and. Uh, yes, Andy. <laughs> Hi, I'm yes. I'm yes, Andy. I'm the Andy who says yes. This is getting into the dark waters. Don't don't look any further. Uh, no, I I just think that it's a it's one of the strengths of the show. There's there's yeah. There are a lot of lore shows out there. There are a lot of people who will talk to you about the lore. There's Tally and Evatel. Um, great show for that. There's Ooh, uh, shout out, shout out, shout out to them because I know they listen yeah. to us and we listen to them. So you know. Yeah, absolutely a great show. Um, y- y'all have an open invitation anytime you want to be on our show. Just, just saying. Yeah, it's just scheduling again. But I mean, then there's uh, like novel over it. You know, he does stuff for Wowhead and he does stuff on his own. Mm-hmm. And, and he he's really grounded. He's really good at the. He's one of those people who does a really good job of laying a foundation for you. Like he he will he will put that whole thing together. And when he's done, you will have a nice solid basics in in whatever the subject is he was talking about. I I think we can do that. I, I think it certainly the, the show has in the past done some pretty in-depth, like, you know, we're going to talk about all this, but I think we're at our best when we just let each other cook. When it's like, you know, here's your email. Um, thank you for your email. Uh, and we will certainly use your email, but you may not recognize anything that comes out of this email <laughs> that you have asked. Didn't didn't I just ask who Bron, Bran Bronzebeard was? Like, what? How did we get here? Oh, it's it's funny you ask about Bran Bronzebeard because you know, the ten fifty minutes later, and that's why the dragons are all doomed. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, we have a we have a tendency to do that, and I think that's one of the strengths of our show as well, which is we're kind of maybe not nearly as structured as some of the others out there, but I do like the idea that when we cook, we get things, this is a little pat on our back and and something that I I absolutely enjoy. And it always brings a smile to my face when it happens. We get more things right too on our predictions after cooking than we do that get wrong. Um, As a matter of fact, our track record, and this has been called out by folks like Talison and Evatel, uh, which again, thank you guys. Um, We, generally see those patterns coming and maybe it's because Anne is in charge of some of that stuff now uh, that we know her way her brain thinks or maybe it's just because we've always been on that same wavelength of this is weird and video gamey and makes sense so this is very clearly where it's going to go um but it's 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 great and one of my favorite things that we do too is when we talk about like wow in particular is how we can seize upon like really little things and start seeing little connections like throw away things that people wouldn't even consider like the alt text on like a trash item. We've talked about stuff like that, that has spun into weird toy and tinfoil hat theories from there. Um, how we can talk about 
uh, certainly the future of, of things where we talk about like we we're going through the Shadowlands. We talked about what it meant, what it, how it broke down the cosmology uh, when we can liken it to real world uh, mythology or mythos or, or, or ideology. Um, because we do have a breadth of knowledge in that as well, because again, like many of our listeners out there and you guys are awesome. We read a lot of stuff like Matt and I have been reading weird esoteric texts for pretty much the majority of our lives. So like having that come into play and being able to pull on that makes me very, very happy. Um, not to say that we're always on the same wavelength. I think one of our most famous moments and I, it was hilarious because Matt and I had probably the only real big disagreement we've ever had in our years of knowing each other, which was the Druid versus Shaman debate, (laughs) (laughs) where uh, apparently a lot of our listeners like were reaching out to like Anne and like other people and making sure that Matt and I were okay, like we weren't really mad at each other because apparently it got very very heated and I didn't even realize it. But I I I feel like I'm going to tell you guys this and. The word that I have to use here is going to have to get bleeped. I'm warning Joe right now. But back in the uh, 70s, um, when I was still a tadpole and Joe, I don't think Joe would exist for another decade. 82. Yeah. So actually closer than that then. But regardless, uh, there was an episode of Saturday Night Live where Gene Curtin made a very reasonable uh, argument about something and then they cut to Dan Aykroyd and he said Jane you ignorant bleep and that's people thought that that's what was happening with Joe and me on that thing they thought I just said Joe you ignorant bleep and I was like I don't think I did I don't think I said anything to, like der- derogatory towards <laughs> Joe um, I, I, we did get we do get like animated animated that's a good word for it uh, but I don't think it was ever intended to be aggression. Um, and it's it's funny, too, because sometimes it's not even... Sometimes I don't necessarily disagree with Joe as much as it seems to people. But I want to like make absolutely sure we really explore whatever it is I'm saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and Joe, Joe is good at defending his ideas and not letting them just get brushed aside. So we have a lot of that, but yeah, that, that one in particular, I think is because we had, we had Anne literally collapsing. Um, oh yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> she was dying guys, by the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. You guys don't know what it was like to be on a show with Anne and she'd start laughing and you knew you had it. Like, you're like, yes, you know, Go forth now. Now this is your Mortal Kombat fatality moment, <laughs> you know, because she just she'd be done, and it would be great. Uh, I really do miss I miss her as a coworker for that reason. Agreed. And this show is so much her baby. This was so much her. She made this happen. She went to Dan and Liz, and she got this thing made. Uh, so it it feels appropriate to talk about her on it. I, I kind of wish we could have gotten her to be on it, but time, same time. T- time is time is unfortunate with the uh, the timing of our 300th episode. A lot of the folks that would have loved to have been here are just busy working. Yeah, it's it's, you know, think about what's happening in a month, guys. Yeah. But um, also, I'm going to say this much. Some of my favorite episodes of the show have been the ones where we didn't talk about anything Blizzard-related at all. I was going to bring that up, too. What's your, what's your favorite one? I liked the Warhammer one because I got to be you for an hour. 
That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you went off and I sat in the background and occasionally I'd throw out something because I, I do know Warhammer. I just don't know it as well as you do. But I'd, every so often I'd throw something out and then I would just watch <laughs> as Joe would chase that, that rabbit oh, down was, every hole. I was absolutely the dog with the ball at that point. Yeah, and that was one of my favorites. I, I really liked, um, oh, bloody heck, ah, the one we, we kind of talked about spider-man the comic and, episode yeah the comic episode but it was mostly about spider-man I yep think, because um uh to a certain degree uh i think you're more acquainted with marvel than dc i'm not saying you haven't read dc i'm just saying no yeah i'm 100 more more acquainted with that. that that's a fair statement so i felt like spider-man was a good place to go if i ever had time i would love us to do a batman episode because every so often I have this idea in my head that, that Gotham City must have just an incredible JCs to keep people living there. Oh, yeah. Why would you go back to Gotham City? I mean, it's but the city got destroyed. It got declared a no man's land. There's an evil clown that is probably going to kill you at some point. There's a secret um, society that runs everything inside of the city. Yeah, but you would know people wouldn't know about that. They Eventually. would know about the evil clown. They would know, you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, and it's so, just one of those things. So, if but, you want to do an episode about Batman, let us know. Yeah, let us know. But it's also that's one of the things I liked about this show from the beginning is that we can we can have these tangents. Um, mm-hmm. I remember you making a comparison between uh, I think Sargeras and Galactus at some point. Yeah. Or Unicron. No, it was Galactus and Unicron. Galactus and Unicron. Huh. It was Galactus and Unicron. Yep. Yeah, because I remember it because you were like, you know, you can break Sargeras down along a Galactus Unicron axis. <laughs> like, in the, you know, this way he's more like Galactus, but this way he's more like Unicron. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and not a lot of people would get that reference, but, you know, you happen to be sitting there with somebody who did. So, and that's 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 something I liked. I, I also really liked the... Uh, it's, it's a Blizzard one, but it, it wasn't our typical World of Warcraft one. So the thing we did with Liz where we just went like ham on Diablo 4. Oh, yeah. That series was fantastic. Yeah, that was one of my favorite ones we've done. It, it got me it got me very excited because Liz is the first person who's like, I don't know anything about lore. And then we drag her into Diablo and she goes, and, 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 and she's getting so into it. And it was yeah. it was just heartwarming to see her get so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, it was that was a good one. Uh, I, I think we've done like we've done, we did the she Hulk one. Yes. And that was actually a lot of fun. I, don't I know actually, it, but. I actually had a lot of folks in, in, um, meat space that, that listened to our show, uh, that commented on that because they, they didn't like, uh, she Hulk. They didn't like the show at first. Uh, and then we broke it down a little bit and explained it. And then they came back and mentioned, he's like, wow, you know, I never really thought of the character like that. Tell Matt that he, you know, he really changed the way I think about it because it was one of those things where she Hulk is, was a great episode because we got to highlight the depth of the character for years, years that people have forgotten about her. Um, and something yeah. that like I grew up enjoying and Matt grew up enjoying, uh, or she at least acknowledging. fascinating to me because she started off as literally Marvel did the character just so nobody else could do it. Like the original Savage She-Hulk was literally just, we got to nail down female Hulk because we've just stole the name Captain Marvel uh, 
we didn't steal it. We just got it first, even though another character has been Captain Marvel since the 40s. Uh, we pulled that off. Uh, we got to make sure nobody can do that to us. So they decided we'll do it. We'll do a Hulk comic with a girl. And, you know, Stan Lee being Stan Lee is much more of a, you know, I had a single idea and now I'm done. You know, I'm not involved in anything else. So they got somebody else to write it, obviously, and someone else to, you know. Uh, and for a while, I don't think She-Hulk was a very well-conceived or well, you know, well-written character. But, and I, I say this as somebody who has lots of problems with John Byrne. Mm-hmm. Lots of problems. The racism, oof. Lots and lots and lots of problems. But I will give him credit. He looked at the character and said, okay, there's two things that to, to do with this. One is the dichotomy between her and her cousin because she's the Hulk who likes being a Hulk. She's the one who goes from skinny, you know, bookwormy type to giant Amazon and really enjoys it. And that's that's number one. Number two, she's Deadpool. Yeah. Before, before Deadpool. Before Deadpool, before Deadpool was yeah. anything more than just a ripoff of uh, Deathstroke. Yeah. And and those two aspects of her character uh, combine in different ways depending on who's writing her. Like some people write with the tongue a little bit in the cheek, but mostly doing really serious comics about a, set, a six and a half foot tall green Amazon who is also a lawyer. Um, and other people go the other way. Uh, and some people do do still make dumb mistakes, but some of the best She-Hulks, in my opinion, have been the ones that have really played around with this idea of, you know, what is it like to be the one that everybody likes the Hulk that everybody likes. Oh yeah, no, nobody's afraid of. And they they nope. even tried redoing it later on, like with Amadeus Cho and stuff like that, and it just wasn't the same. Uh, it didn't work at all. Uh, Amadeus Cho is a character I do like, and at some point I would love us to go talk about it. We should, um, but uh, for if for no other reason than you know, hey, comics, you still kind of suck at the whole representation thing. Um, but and let me let me say, there's another one that I would love to go go into at some point with Moon Knight getting as popular as it has been and recently like the oh, current man. the current run of Moon Knight I would love to die to, to sink my teeth into with you about one day. Yeah, the the whole thing with Moon Knight um if you're talking about the run recently where at one point uh Taskmaster is trying to like Yes, yeah, that's it. Taskmaster just goes and talks to him. He's like, "Dude, I I I you guys trying to hire Taskmaster to kill Moon Knight." And he's like, "I'm not fighting him." He's like, yeah, because he's like the last the last person that I dealt with like this was Deadpool, and that didn't go well. Yeah, he's like, no way, man. Moon Knight's Moon Knight's completely unhinged. I am not going up against him. Uh, for all that I don't, I've often felt like Taskmaster gets too much credit mm-hmm. for what he can do because I don't care that you can predict Spider Man's movements. He's way stronger and way faster than you. If you get in a fight with somebody and you know exactly what they're going to do, but they can move three times faster than you can, it doesn't matter that you know that you know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And other writers have done this, and and we will get back to talking about other things, guys. But come on, it's our three hundredth episode. Let us let us cook. One of the things I always loved about Quicksilver, who is a character who is pretty hit or miss, but I like this one X Men episode where there's a mutant who has the sim- similar powers to Taskmaster. He's he can telepathically read the ideas out of your head and knows exactly what you're going to do before you do it. And it's like Quicksilver shows up and this dude has somehow managed to steal one of Odin's spears, and he's like, "I'm unstoppable. I possess the All Spear." And Chris, and Quicksilver reaches over and picks up a piece of rebar and goes, "I'm going to beat you with this piece of rebar now, and you will see every move coming." but I'm the fastest living thing on the planet. 
and there will be absolutely nothing you can do about it. And it's exactly what happens. Quicksilver just demolishes him with like contemptuous ease. And I've always loved it because it's like, it, it's just, it's a perfect example of why some characters are, are really terrifying. If you really think about it, we had a long running thing about Spider-Man. Like Peter Parker as Spider-Man is legit terrifying. Oh, they and they just did a they just did a run right now with um two of them. There was the Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man, which if you haven't read it yet, Matt, I highly recommend it. Um, and then there's another one where like Pete's moral compass is gone, like it is just removed. It explores what happens with like him in the black suit, but not quite necessarily like Venom. It's it's just him with all of his morality removed, and it is obscene because it's what would happen. Like I yeah. remember, I remember way back during the the original Secret Wars, where the Beyonder is talking about Spider Man. I forgot to who it might have been the In Betweener. Um, yeah, Marvel was real real good with names in the seventies and eighties. So yeah, it might have been Secret Wars too. If might have been just talking to people. Um, but it was talking about how dangerous. Uh, Spider-Man would be because it's like either he doesn't realize how strong he is or he truly understands how strong he is and he pulls his punches. But if he didn't, like he doesn't understand the the depth of power that he has within him, which is why at the time he was able to take on like the quantum force and not die because everybody else who had been infused with the power, the power cosmic at that point from the quantum force just died at the end of their, their run with it. Right. Or, or it can only go for an hour, like captain universe. Yep. Any power. Power. If you got the Captain Universe power, you could only use it for a little bit, and then it would just leave so it didn't kill you. And then Spider-Man was the first person to get it, and it just stayed. And everyone was like, why? <laughs> why is this force still there? Because it's so perfectly matched up with his combination of self-sacrifice and his desperate need to do the right thing. And it just it was perfect. I, I, I love what you're talking about because it reminded me very much of... Um, I'm trying to remember the actual episode, but I think it's the one where uh, Mary, no, not Mary Jane, Aunt May gets shot. Oh yeah, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, back in not back in black. Was it back in black? Yeah, back in black. Back in, back in black. All I remember is he goes out to the prison where the kingpin is because the kingpin arranged for the hit, and he shows up and he's like, you know, kingpin's making all sorts of sarcastic cracks at him, and he just takes off the costume. He's just standing there as Peter Parker, and. They, they fight, but it's not a fight. It's literally just Peter demolishing this man. Like, you know, slapping him around. He goes, you know, the entire time, every time we've ever fought, the only reason that you didn't end up in a box was because I didn't want to kill you. And, and now you've shot the one person in the world that, you know, I, you know, I know. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. Uh, the second my Aunt May dies, I'm coming back here, and I'm going to put my hand up against your mouth, and I'm going to fill your lungs with web fluid. Just like that. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. Yeah, I can get in here anytime I want. I can do this to you anytime I want. You are a balloon, and I'm the needle. Because I actually have superpowers. And it was just, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't want, in some ways, I think Miles Morales would be a better hero than Peter. Because Miles, for all that he's had a rough life, has actually kind of had, most of his life, he's had his parents. Yeah. 
he's had his mother and his father, and he still has them. I think he, they, that's because of a retcon, but I don't. I remember uh, this universe. This universe when they redid when the Ultimate Universe collapsed because uh, his father did die in the Ultimate Universe. When the Ultimate Universe collapsed, which is a whole other thing, because the Ultimate Universe, the Master, yeah. Mastermind is trying to bring it back. Um, yeah, ultimate. Yeah, it's, it's on right now. I've been, yeah, I've been reading it. It's messed up. It is very messed up. But with when that reality collapsed and everything got folded into the six one six universe. Um, Miles's family was intact, so he actually had a chance to keep his father alive, uh, and did so. So he has his full family now. And and I think if you saw, um, and this is one of this is actually a good example of the kind of thing we're talking about when we talk about lore. Um, one of the things that I liked about uh, I can't remember the name of the first movie because I keep wanting to call it uh, Into the Spider Verse, but I can't remember if it's it that is. or. Okay, good. And you watch into the Spider Verse. One of the things that that really stands out, in my opinion, is his parents. Yes, it's it's, it's the way that they obviously love him, but they are not coddling him. You know, they they're aware that that a, a young man can sometimes be problematic. They can be troubled. They can be difficult. And there's a sense of, especially from his mom, his mom is, is the one that you get the sense when, when he needs correction, that her shoe will be coming off. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, she, she is 100% going to break out the chunkla. Yeah. Whereas his father is, is less that, but is very much just a presence of, look, if you need to talk, if you need someone to be here for you, that's what I'll do. That's who I am. And, And yeah, you might get in trouble, but I won't, I will always be there. I will, you know, as long as I can, I will be there. And Peter doesn't have that, has never had it. The closest he had was Uncle Ben and Aunt May. And they tried, but they were much older. You know, they were already in like their 50s or 60s before he was even around. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just, it's one of those things that I've always liked about the character of Peter Parker is that there is an edge to him. And it's also paradoxically what I like about Miles in that Miles, it's Miles has an edge just because Miles, I'm just going to say this, Miles is growing up um, black and Latino in the United States of America mm-hmm. where, you know, he doesn't need trauma because trauma will be given to him free by the state. You know, people are going to just bring the trauma. So he doesn't need to have it given to him. So as a result, in a, in a strange sort of way, he was kind of conditioned to be heroic from birth and it's the, the, his parents are what make him good. You know what I mean? Not like, not, they don't force him to be good. They're just their example in a weird sort of way. Miles, I think miles would have the most in common with Superman. Like I think Superman and miles could have a really nice talk. And I mean, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at mint mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There have been crossover events where that is something that I think happened. Um, the the interesting thing, like we could, and we get this again, this is what we, what we do. We talk about why yeah. we've made it 300 episodes. We can talk about this stuff. And this is something that I would love to revisit. Um, we haven't done an off, off Blizzard episode in a while. Um, and yeah. I, th- I think we're overdue for one. So maybe, maybe this is something we talk about. Maybe we go into the well, current state I, or maybe I have been trying so hard to get done with cyberpunk. Um, but I've been so sick that it's been very hard to get through it because I was stuck on that mission where you have to get read across the bridge. Yep. And I was just, I, my head's been pounding and my hands have been shaking and I just couldn't get across. I couldn't do it. And the thing was, is that I realized later I could have just let him fail the mission and we could, I just could have killed everybody with the sniper rifle. I didn't mm-hmm. have to keep reloading and going back to try to get it perfectly down. Um, but you know, but that, that, I've been sick. No, that, yeah. that brings up that brings up another point that I, I'm actually really excited about was like that was one of my favorite episodes when we did the cyberpunk special. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know it's maybe sound a little bit goofy, but one of the things that I really enjoy doing for this podcast and our, our, our Tavern Watch podcast and stuff like that is creating intros. Right. So when we first started this and the, the Blizzard Watch podcast, the music. Okay, I, I, I got to interrupt you. Go ahead. Uh, you go ahead and talk about the intro you made for that. But if you haven't listened to our Diablo thing yet, go listen to it because he went out of his bloody mind working on the intro for that, and it it shows. It's perfect. It's oh. just so good. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, and yeah, so now go ahead and, and talk. But, just and and that's sure another. That and thank you. And that's another good example. Like I love doing that too. But one of the things is. Um, when we first started the podcast, the music that we have and the music that you've heard for 300 episodes here is royalty free music. It's stuff that we, that Anne picked out a long time ago. Um, and it's, you know, I want to make sure that it, I love, I love it. It's, it's iconic. It's synonymous with our show at this point. But when I get to do extra outro or intros and outros, when I get to do stuff like that, uh, that doesn't necessarily use that music, it makes me really happy. Cause one of the things I don't talk about a lot, I am a musician. And I've been a musician for a very, very long time, and I don't get to essentially peddle that craft very often. Uh, So like with the Diablo episode, with the cyberpunk episode, uh, with all the Tavern Watch stuff, that's all music that I wrote and did myself. Um, With the Diablo one, it wasn't super like in depth, but I broke out a 12 string guitar. I sat here with my computer and my pickup and and had it all jacked in and, and got it so that it sounded like the old school tavern music. Um, I sat there and audio sampled fires crackling and night sounds and things like that. Um, But it was a lot of fun. I like being able to do stuff like that. The cyberpunk one, I absolutely enjoyed because it, I got into what is ostensibly like my, uh, dungeon master mode or my GM mode where, you know, I'm over the top extra. I've got the extra voice going and, you know, and I, I got to do electronica music, which I haven't done in years and breaking out like the loop programs and the MIDI controllers. And like that one, if you go listen to it, I have a MIDI pedal for my, uh, for my guitar that I've, ne- I have never had a chance to use before. And I got to use it for that episode, uh, to do the intro. Cause all that was done through the MIDI pedal. Um, 
it was just a lot of fun. And I like when we get to do stuff like that too, because it also lets us showcase some of our extra interests that I think a lot of you guys share with us, whether it's comic books or TV shows or movies uh, or other video games, because let's be honest, we all play a lot of video games. Um, and Matt's talking about doing cyberpunk and talking about cyberpunk uh, after he completes it. Part of the reason is I'm losing my mind uh, because I finished the DLC uh, and I'm waiting so hard to talk to somebody about the endings and what happens during it. Uh, and I think the only person that's going to get as excited about it as I am is going to be Matt. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, I got really, really sick. Um, first I had something that happened like two weeks ago now that almost that straight up almost killed me. Like just straight up, I almost died. And then after I started getting better from that, um, I got my wife's cold, which is not her cold. I mean, she got it from somebody else and so forth. That's how communicable diseases work. But nonetheless, uh, she was laid up for like three days, could barely move. And I've had it since like, um, I'd say Thursday. And it's not, I, I, I can move, but I, I sound like the freaking Ted, you know, I sound like the, the, the tomb keeper or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, Tales of the Crypt, Crypt, Crypt Keeper. Yep. I sound like the Crypt Keeper and, uh, you know, Sam Elliott had a baby. You know, that's what my voice is doing right now. And I can make it stop. Like, listen, I'll, I'll make it stop. I'll make myself talk normal. Hi, everybody. It's me, Matt. But the second I stop focusing on it, it goes back down here because I'm just so tired. You know, it's just I don't have the energy to talk like that, like I'm supposed to. Uh, plus, uh, if you've ever had laryngitis, it's just it's not fun. No. So, but I can make myself sound I wouldn't say normal, but up here where my voice normally sits, it's just really difficult. <clears throat> uh, that's got nothing to do with anything. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's a matter of time, right? And like we understand, and we talk about this a little bit on the, the Blizzard Watch podcast, too, especially with Liz, is there's sometimes there's only so much time in a, in a week to, to do all oh, the things. Yeah. Oh, it gets worse when they start. Everybody starts releasing games at the same time. Like I'm, I'm still like I'm still back and forth with uh, Starfield and uh, Baldur's Gate three. And I've said this to Joe that I think I'm having more fun with Starfield, but Baldur's Gate three is by far the the superior experience in terms of its writing and its its storytelling and even its gameplay. Uh, but Starfield lets me build. I, I have this inveterate need to play games where I build things. Like building my own spaceships, building my own enclaves or whatever they're called. That's just, it's catnip to me. It's just catnip. I will do that for hours. Um, and there is a, some some interesting stuff in the Starfield story. But Baldur's Gate 3, I mean, at this point I've played it. Um, I played it during the open beta uh, because I, I got it as a pre-register. I bought, someone else actually bought me that game, I, I want to say in 2020. 20 or maybe 2019 yeah 2019 i think was when it was announced because it was it was in early access for a while yeah and i've so i've played a lot of it and i think it is it is utterly brilliant and i've said this a hundred times sometimes though you're not it's like it's kind of like with food sometimes you just want to eat crap like sometimes or it's not even crap but sometimes you want fried chicken you don't want an elaborate foie de gras and you know you know pheasant and you just you want something cheap and easy man you know because i i grew up poor and my tastes are what my tastes are 
Sometimes that's how I feel about video games. And then, then there's the other problem. I will be playing Baldur's Gate 3 for the rest of my life. Like, it honestly feels like that. Like, the, you, you know who I'm talking about, Joe, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you honestly feel like you could play that game. In five years, you could pick it up and play it again. Yeah, I, actually, I did a I did a breakfast topic on that a while ago, which was like I called them comfort games, right? They're the, they're the old reliables, the standbys, the ones that you could play, pick them up and and put them down and play them, uh, you know, as much or as little as you want, and never feel like you're missing a beat. Like yeah. for me, that's the Spider Man game for the PlayStation, right? And we're getting ready for the second one, and that's going to be even more. Like nobody's going to see me for like a week. Like yeah, Joe, Joe will have vanished. I will. I will be. I will be recording the podcast, but I can't guarantee you that I won't be playing it while we're recording because it's <laughs> it's an addiction. I admit this. But yeah, it's it's. I think with Baldur's Gate, it's partially that, but I also honestly think Baldur's Gate is just that deep. There's that yeah. much in it that you could you could play it completely differently like five, six, seven times. I'm on playthrough number like six. Yeah. And and you get a completely different experience. It is, in some ways, it is overhyped. In other ways, it is underhyped. Um, I think a lot of the focus is on stuff that I think is pretty ephemeral and unimportant. Like, ooh, is an Asterian hot? Like, yeah, whatever. This thing's got a story that manages to weave together modern Dungeons & Dragons, the original... Dungeons and Dragons video games, including Shadows of Om and, uh, you know, Throne of Ball, it ties together all of this. It ties together decades of Forgotten Realms stories. It ties together uh, like a module that came out in 2018. And it's all in there and it's all, it works. It makes sense. Uh, whatever anyone says about Larian as a games producer, and they, they have their quirks and their flaws like everybody else, but they do absolutely spectacular work on character and character expression as a narrative tool. Um, and I think Baldur's Gate 3 absolutely nails it. That being said, I still like Wrath of the Righteous better. And it's not necessarily because I think it's a better game, but it's because it has so much choice. And while Baldur's Gate 3 has a lot of character choice, it does not have mechanical choice in the same way. It is limited by the fact that you only get to be level 12, and it is limited by the fact that you only get to play one of three subclasses. Whereas Wrath of the Righteous is like, hey, remember Pathfinder? How would you like to play absolutely everything in it? And that's, that's an approach that I like. But in terms of narrative, Baldur's Gate 3 is astonishing. Oh yeah, it's so good, and not even it's frankly a little intimidating. And not even just like the main storyline. Like we talk about games that we love because of like the little things, the things that are hidden in the background. Uh, Baldur's Gate Three is the perfect example of that. Like I, I found them in the barn, and yep. I just, I literally laughed harder than my character did, and my character busted a gut laughing, and I was like literally rolling around, couldn't believe what I was seeing in that barn. It just, it's like, are you kidding me? Um, yeah. Or anything involving Carlac, who is like, you think Carlac is going to be like this demonic force of, of power and vengeance. Ray of and sunshine. She, she is, but she's also a puppy. She's a happy little puppy that follows you around and is just so excited to be part of the group. And it's like, are you kidding me, Carlac? I can't even with you. I can't even. You are adorable. We have got to get your heart fixed because this is just... I'm actually a little mad at the ending for Carlac. I don't think that it it's enough. Well, good news. Good news. They added. They added new ones. 
yeah, I, I didn't, I still don't think they go far enough. I think I want them to do an expansion with Carlac so I get to just actually get her. I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that Larian will be doing more with Carl. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. She's, it, she's a fan favorite. The, the thing about narrative, the thing about Lore Watch, the, the thing I love about Lore Watch, to tie this back into the actual thing we were talking about, which we have to do a lot on Lore Watch, by the way. We have to c- come back around a lot. I love that we can talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. I love that we can, the way that podcasts work, it's somewhat parasocial. I mean, we don't really get to talk to you that often. We get your emails, we get your comments on discord and, you know, we like, we love to, to play around with the stuff you guys ask us and talk to us about, but it's rare for us to get to interact with you more directly. And as a result of that, in a, in a weird sort of way, I, I've come to really treasure, like, when somebody sends us another question, when somebody, like, that, who, you know, hey, I, I've been watching the show, I've listened to the show for years, uh, but I've never asked you anything before, but here's something I wanted to ask you. I think it's one of the best things. It, it, feels, it feels amazing uh, that people have listened to the show and still want to talk to us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I'm going to let Joe talk for you know, and I've been, and on that same front, I've been very, uh, and I will say the word blessed. I don't say it very often. Um, but people that have listened to the show that have, uh, become friends that, that I've, you know, play wow with now on the regular basis, they've joined my guild. Um, you know, we've, we've had deep conversations about lore and comic books. Uh, we've had deep conversations about just like random video games and stuff like that. Like I've, I've, been very lucky to meet some some of you listeners in person uh and it it always blows my mind that people listen to us like you guys do uh and it humbles me and i appreciate it and uh it makes me feel good and it makes me feel certain about continuing to keep doing this show and our other shows uh because i remember receiving messages and and man i don't talk about this a lot uh, just because I don't know that we'd really want to make a big deal of it all the time. Um, but we do appreciate like during the pandemic's height, uh, when we would get emails and messages thanking us for continuing to keep producing content, because for a lot of you out there, it became a constant. It was a reminder of what day of the week it was, um, or it helped you to feel friendly, vo- hear friendly voices, uh, you know, when you so far, you're just isolated. describing what it did for me during that period yeah. of time. Well, I mean, we I must be Tuesday. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I mean, we still use it as markers of time. Let's be honest. Um, but it, it it meant a lot to me to hear that we meant that much to you guys when you were listening to us during that time frame. Um, it it and it still humbles me and blows my mind because. We say this at the beginning and the end of every podcast, but it is truly something we do mean. We couldn't do this show without you guys. Like Matt and I could sit here and talk at each other for four hours at a time. That's mm-hmm. easy. That's easy enough for us to do. Yeah. You actually help give us focus and you give us a reason to keep doing it. Um, yeah. And, you know, it. it's not that you don't want to talk to your friends or, or have, you know, have conversations and all that. But life is a continuous pressure. Yeah. And so for us, it is nice that we have, I don't want to say an excuse, but we have a motivating force to keep doing this. So we work it into our schedule and we get, we, you know, for someone like me, who's got like super ADHD, I'm like so bad. 
uh, it's actually really helpful to have this thing like a lodestone. I know Sunday I'm going to be doing Lore Watch. Uh, I also know Joe is invariably, either Joe or I, is going to ask the other, can we do it at a different time? <laughs> because every single time. For the last, for the last of couple of months, life has been very hectic. <laughs> Let's, yeah. we, have, we have rescheduled a bit on the back end behind, behind yeah. the curtain there, folks. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 like today. I was like, um, Joe, I don't I don't know if you know this, but it's Canadian Thanksgiving, so I'd like to take some time uh, and actually hang out with my family. So could could we do it later? And it's like you know, if it's not me doing it, it's Joe doing it. That's just life. Uh, but yeah, I've actually really, it's I'm very awkward around people, and I don't think people can necessarily tell because I tend to. I tend to mask myself fairly effectively. I tend to put forth a, a, a persona that people like see and think that that's how I actually am. But in reality, I'm actually pretty shy and pretty reserved. Uh, it took me a long time to even start talking to Joe. Um, when when you first came to work uh, at the previous site, I don't think we actually had a conversation until you took over the, the shaman column. Yeah, which was the whole reason I got brought on in the first place. Like, I got brought on because they were looking for somebody to fill the gap on Shaman at uh, mm-hmm. way, way, way back when. I was still in college at the time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, it, I don't think we really got to talking until actually just before that site went away. No, we, we really talked started- a little. We talked a little bit beforehand because I got I had gotten my first article put up. Uh, and then almost immediately got the you're the worst thing that's happened to WoW since sliced bread, and yeah. your comments were yeah uh, that's your uh, that's your welcome gift. We have all gone through it. It's not you get yeah. used to it after a while. That's your job now to be the worst thing that's ever happened to to World of Warcraft. Um, yeah, uh, I remember because when I took over the the shaman column, and I I admit shaman weren't my first focus. I just. I was healing on one at a time. So I took over and I got that. And as soon as Joe came in, the same people that had been just hated on me were like, same, bring the other guy back. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? You just want to hate something. You don't even know what. You don't even care. You just want to hate something. But the, yeah, I don't think we really got seriously into talking though until D&D Next came out. Yeah, I think that was our first time that you and I like sat down in the a similar manner to how you and Anne used to really talk. Like we always talked like lore and stuff like that. That stuff yeah, was, yeah. that stuff was fine. But like Matt and I really became, I, I want to say, I don't want to say bonded, but I guess that's really the best word I can think of when D and D next, the, uh, f- the fifth the play edition test. play testing was starting to go down. Um, Cause I think Matt made a comment about it. And then like, I was like, Oh, you play D and D. And then we, we just kind of started going back and forth off each other. Uh, and then realized it started this whole big conversation where Matt and I realized how much we had in common um, yeah, yeah. to the point where I, mean, I think if you've been in the trenches of role-playing and you know, oh, it's yeah. like, it's, it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, see, now I understand that you are somebody I can talk to. I can deal with you. Um, but yeah, it, it was, I just remember cause we were talking about what we did and didn't like about fourth edition yep. and about what they were doing in D and D next and the stuff we liked about that. And, um, I remember you said something about cantrips that they had essentially turned cantrips into the, the at will powers from fourth edition. And I was like, I had not thought of that. Uh, and I, I remember that moment I'm sitting there going, he's right. They did. They just, they made cantrips fire and forget. You can use them as many times as you want. Yeah. Uh, and from there, 
from there, all our troubles began, I guess, basically. You know, <laughs> next thing we knew, we were running D&D games for the site and doing a lore show. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess we know each other now. And, 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 and I will say this, and not to be too sappy about it, because, you know, emotions are weird. Um, but if it wasn't for the show and being able to do this so routinely with Matt, I don't think Matt and I would have been as close. And I do consider Matt probably one of my best friends at this point. Uh, Matt is Matt. Matt is basically my older brother at this point. Um, and we've we have talked so much. We have been such a major part of each other's lives since the first episode dropped in July of 2015. Yeah. Episode one, the Burning Legion and the Twisting Nether. I still remember it. Um, and it was a long journey. We have almost been doing this show for almost a decade at this point. Yeah. Dude, we getting there. 20, you know, 2015 to 2023, man, that's eight years. Yeah. We got two to go. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been something. Um, and I do, I do think, I mean, I, I don't, I am even worse at emotions than that, but I do think of Joe as one of my, my actual friends, my, my close friends. Uh, he, in a way, he reminds me of me without as much of the scoring. I like, you know, like he battle damage. Like, not that Joe hasn't been in battles, he just hasn't taken the damage the way I did because um, he's smarter. I don't know um, about that, but thank you. You're smarter about what you what you get on people about. In my in my younger days, I was not smart about it. I just was like, you know, oh, what do you want to get angry about? What have you got? Um, and you. You do it when it's necessary, and it's. Oh, by the way, if you ever need someone to take your back, this dude, he's like, man, immediately, you just call call Joe up, and he'll be like, if you do that speech from the the Ben Affleck movie, I can't tell you what we're gonna do, and we're gonna hurt somebody. <laughs> Who, who's driving? That that that's that's how Joe, that's, yeah, Joe would be like that because I don't I don't want to drive all the way to Canada, man. <laughs> it's like it's not. I mean, I can drive to Canada anytime I want. It's right there, but you're all the way over there on the other side of it. So yeah, but but yeah, definitely. If I had to pick people uh, to have my back, Joe is absolutely one of them. And we wouldn't we wouldn't be at that place if it wasn't for this podcast and you guys. Yeah, and, yeah you guys. I mean, for one thing, I'd be dead anyway. Quite frankly, uh, having this this show and the other show and having this place, it, it physically saved my life. I'm not even kidding. So you know, you guys have done a lot just by by letting us have our weird little show about lore and video games and other things it's not just video games we've talked about lore and all sorts of stuff um but yeah it all started with a talking about world of warcraft and it'll likely i don't think we're ever getting away from that and i don't think we particularly want to i feel no, like there's so much know. more so much to talk about yeah. there we will be we'll be talking about that for Till, till the servers go dark, I think. I, I mean, one thing I will, I'm going to spring on Joe now, is that I think we should start looking at Overwatch lore. Again. 100%. Now that you're getting to actually play it. Uh, <laughs> they finally fixed that after like a year. So, you know, hey, we should definitely get into talking about that. Because they are, It's it's been interesting to watch. Uh, I don't know how we would do a show about this even, but one of the things about Blizzard that's been interesting to watch is to watch the effects of the uh, Activision Blizzard scandals and, yes. and the people that have left that were dominant over franchises over the years um, and how with new people in those franchises, suddenly they're different and it's not necessarily always good, 
but I think that you can't argue that it wasn't really good for Diablo in terms of story. Um, and I don't think you can argue that Overwatch hasn't had a, a struggle because they 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 still the one thing that always got me about Overwatch back when 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 the original people were on it and now as well is that there's never been a unified vision of how Overwatch wants to tell its story. And it is something that has been maddening to watch because so many missed opportunities. Uh, when I saw Arcane, and, and I mean, Arcane rocked me. Like, I did not expect a League of Legends uh, TV show to be good. A, a show about Jinx. Uh, Jinx is basically just comedy relief in, in everything she has ever used in. And you would go and make a tragic, you know, tragic six-part show about her trauma and pain. And you do a good job at it. Like, what? And I, I remember that, you know, we talked about that here. Um, we talked about, you know, the, the way stories aren't just told in games anymore. That there's there's a game, there's stories that are in games, but they're also in books and and movies and TV shows and all that stuff. Like, um, I don't know when the Fallout show is coming out, but it's well past starting production. It's and- like, it's been being filmed the whole time so yeah and then there's other things too like we talk about how sometimes story evolves out of things like magic yeah. the gathering is not something you people mostly consider with having like a story but it does but it does oh. and and i don't even it's, play magic the gathering and i'm aware of all the crazy stuff going on in that thing but then it starts to even bleed into D and D now because they started fully flushing out that stuff and bringing it over. It started with like some of their off settings like Lorwyn and things like that but then you get uh why can't i think of the the greek uh, one now Theros uh, Theros it started with they had yeah, Theros. Theros then they had the Ravnica the city of guilds and then they I had, say Ravnica was actually first Ravnica was first then it was Theros then it was uh Strixhaven, Strixhaven right Haven, yeah and Strixhaven, like, like college of magic stuff yeah yeah and I mean they they in it started showing people that wait there's actually story with this and we actually had I some actually, print yeah. conversations about it in the past go ahead I will actually say this I think that first off this is uh, James Wyatt's fault mm-hmm, 100% you guys don't know who James Wyatt is. He's a he's was a old school back. He, he started in D and D third edition, and he was a main dude uh, producing the D and D third edition stuff. Then he moved over to the Magic team, and he was like the lore guy mm-hmm. uh, for Magic. And he got I I don't know why he did it, but one day he's like, you know what? I'm just going to make D and D conversion books for all of the various well, universes. So in Magic. In- interesting enough is because when he would go to conventions, and I know this because. I ran into James Wyatt in the past. Um, people were already doing this. Like they were already oh, yeah, trying to absolutely. figure this out on their own. Right. Like you'd, you'd sit down on some of these tables and all of a sudden you'd have like, Oh, now we have planeswalkers and you know, or the, I really love this setting for magic. So Dominaria, we're now going to run around in there or uh, cause I think he started with uh, it was the plane shift articles. Right. And it was Amonkhet, Dominaria, Innistrad, Ixalan. And I want to say Kaladesh and Zendikar. Uh, Zendikar. It was Zendikar. Yeah, yeah. So it was all of those. I don't know if Kaladesh got done or not. I just, I have all the plane shift things. Yeah. Because they released them. Uh, Wizards of the Coast literally just put them all up. And one of the things I loved about it was that there's a little thing in each of those books saying, this is one guy doing this on his own for mm-hmm. fun. I have not been able to play test all this. If you use this, it could blow up in your face. Yep. And... But the but the, the story of Magic the Gathering, the lore of Magic the Gathering is so extensive at this point. 
Yeah, and they and they just yeah. switched and they just switched over to a cohesive storyline now too. So like they this is something we could have in our uh, show about at some point too because they just collapsed the multiverse essentially. Like mm-hmm. which is absolutely mind-blowing. Um but like we could talk about stuff like that and there's there's so many games that breach into that the past what they were and evolve into having like this deep story that runs through it. Uh that is we we could we could talk about for hours on end. Um, eventually, eventually we probably will we probably will uh i mean it's up to you folks to let us know what you want us to talk about otherwise if we're left to our own devices it's gonna get weird yeah but but i mean people have told us in the past you know hey make sure you still do wow make sure you still do blizzard stuff and we totally want to oh yeah uh, so don't worry about that we'll this never stop doing gonna- that yeah, this is not going to turn into you know what what's what's going on this week. I have no idea what the show is. That being said, though, um, we do we, you know if you guys have an idea for something you want us to talk about that isn't those things, please do send it. Uh, I've got a really great Dragon Age Universe lore bomb thing to do uh, if we ever get around to it. And we're gonna pull Liz in for that one. Yeah, Liz is coming for that one. <laughs> but, but there's a lot of different stuff, and for that matter, I mean, I would love for us to do a show about like really old blizzard games and the story or lack thereof like blackthorn what was happening in blackthorn blackthorn is crazy if you actually sit down and look at the lore of blackthorn you're like what is going on uh so yeah yeah i'm i'm definitely here for it and hopefully you guys are as well i mean you've been along for the journey for eight years and change hopefully you'll be with us for more 300 episodes we went from being bi-weekly at the original launch of this podcast to being every week uh Mm -hmm. and we haven't really slowed down since even though we have missed a week here and there and thank you all for understanding um life but i think i think that's going to do it for our 300 i just really want to say a very heartfelt thank you to you our listeners uh you our patreon supporters who help by contributing a couple bucks a month, even if it's a, uh, you know, $1, $5, it does help yeah. to keep us producing and, and keeping this up because you'd be surprised how much backend costs can be for hosting a server of this size. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, for you sending in those questions to us, for you sending in those suggestions and feedback for all of you that are actually sharing our content. We, I mean, we didn't even talk about this during the, the, the bulk of the show, but we were up for podcasts of like the year on Spotify and we made like the top like 10th percentile. Like we were in the number sixth most shared show on Spotify. And that's you guys for our, for our category. And that's because of you. Yeah, that's not us. We didn't do anything for that. You did it. You chose to, to support us. And then that's really awesome. Yeah. And, and, and I talk about this a lot, but like in, and maybe people don't understand how important stuff like that is. The monetary side keeps the lights on, but you sharing our content and you participating with us and engaging with us is what drives the algorithm to pick up our feed. And Mm -hmm. because the algorithm is in control of everything. And if it, if we don't hit that, our, our message doesn't, or our content doesn't spread as far as maybe we'd like it to. Um, And you guys help it get there. So like, it is a very heartfelt thank you from me to you uh, and regarding this. I agree with him. Thank you. I'm sorry. I sound like the deep, the dark Lord of Mordor here, but still, thank you. (laughs) Uh, But folks, I do want to say that that's going to do it for 300. I'm looking forward to 300 more. If you have topics that you want to send us 
or questions or anything you want us to cover, send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Make sure you specify if it's for this show or any of our other shows, because we do have, you know, two other ones at this point. Um, if you have a special way that you pronounce your name, let us know what that is. Uh, if you can't hit us up on email, you can hit us up on Discord. We have the Q&A podcast questions channel for everybody. Uh, again, same rules apply. And if you are a Patreon supporter, as an extra way of saying thank you for helping us keep the lights on, we have the Patreon Q&A podcast questions channel. You can go ahead and hit us up there as well. Again, folks, thank you because I love doing this show. I look forward to it every week. It is a highlight of my week. Um, not only do I use it to mark this passage of time, but it is my pick me up is what gets me started because we record this on Sundays. It gets me started for the week ahead and gives me the energy, no joke, to get through my week. So, again, thank you, Matt. Is there anything you want to say? Pumpkins. Also, dolphins. See, I don't know how those two things are related. It's supposed to be pigs. It was pigs and pumpkins. Nah, dolphins are cooler. Fair. Okay. Dol- pigs, you're cool, too. Okay, I just, you guys know what you did. (laughs) And on that note, friends, we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.